Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of completing Sefer Shmos. This Shabbos, we take out two Sifrei Torah. In the first one, we read of Pashos Vayakel and Pekude, which according to the Chinuch have one mitzvah, and that is found in Vayakel. It is a losase, a restriction of literally losavaru eish b'chol moshvosechem biyoma shabbos, which interestingly, according to our rabbis, is taken to mean that there's not to be a punishment of bezdin on Shabbos. A lot to be said about that verse, including the fact that according to Reb Sadya Gaon, interestingly, the bracha that women recite, or for that matter, when men light Shabbos candles, the bracha of Lahadlik Ner, Shel Shabbos, listen carefully now, where did this come about? According to Reb Sadya Gaon, very interestingly, there was a time that the Karaites in the time of the Gaonim, between 750 and 1000, they took the Torah literally. They only believed in the written Torah. And they said, look, the Torah says you're not to light a fire in your homes on Shabbos. And they took that to mean that Shabbos is to be dark and Shabbos is to be cold. And that creates a certain tone of Shabbos. And we believe the Chachamim just the opposite. On Shabbos you can't light. But we intentionally light from before and we have Chamin, we have Chont, we have hot food on Shabbos, not just in the wintertime when we appreciate it more, but even in the summertime. It shows our belief and acceptance of Torah Shabbal Peh to have hot food on Shabbos. This Shabbos we take out tomorrow a second Sefer Torah and we read from it the 19th chapter of Bamidbar, and this is Parshas Para. We read of the Para Aduma. Ostensibly, what we are doing is we're making an announcement, and we are saying, listen up everybody, Purim is behind us, Pesach is coming, we need to become pure in order to bring the Karban Pesach. Unfortunately, today, when we don't yet have the third Beis Amigdash, we cannot, but Unashalma Purim Svaseinu, literally our studying about it, our reading about it, should be looked upon by God as if we actually brought and went through the purification of the Korban Pesach, because everybody has to participate in the Korban Pesach, and we can only do so if we are pure, tahor, having gone to a funeral, been under the same roof as a deceased, touched a deceased. Um, these render a person tomei, and the only way that a person b- can rid themselves of this tumor impurity is by having the ash and the water of the co- of the paraduma sprinkled upon us. Um, there's another parallel reason for our uh, reading Parshas Para, and that is that instead of 
reading once again the incident of the Egel last week from Parshas Kisisa. The rabbis were good to us, and with our reading of Parshas Parah, we fulfill that which the Torah tells us to remember how we angered Hashem in the Midbar, and referring to the Chaito Egel. And that's why Rashi, at the end of his uh, commentary on Parshas Chukas, at the end of chapter 19, Rashi goes to explain how let the mother, which is the cow, come to atone and clean up the mess that was made by her young, namely the calf. The Para Aduma helps us atone for the sin of the Egel Hazav. I'd like, however, to present another uh, understanding of the Para Aduma, and let me just give a little bit of a brief introduction. In Koheles, at the end of last Pasuk, in chapter 7, Shlomo Melech writes that we should be aware that Asher Yashar, God made man Yashar perfectly upright. Ouch! But Bikshu Rabim. But they, man, sought many intrigues. What does that mean? It means that he created Hashem a perfect world. Hashem, man keeps looking for, for lack of a better way of saying, trouble. Now, the Chassid Yavitz, in his commentary on Pirkei Avos, chapter 5, Mishnah 7, which lists the ten miracles that occurred daily in the Beis HaMikdash, asks, why did Hashem need to display open miracles? It goes against his nature. After all, he is Kael Mistator. He is a hidden God. And therefore, says the Chassid Yavis, a most intriguing answer, namely, to demonstrate that ideally, there is a perfect harmony between Torah, man, and nature. So, for example, in chapter 2 of Bereshis, we read of the Garden of Eden that Hashem planted in this world. And the Medrash presents a utopian existence in that environment, whereby man's spiritual existence was primary, and his physical necessities were cared for from on high. Now, I'm not going to go around to each person listening, but do you really believe, come on, that there was a Gan Eden? So lest one doubt the feasibility and reality of such an existence, the supernatural miracles present in the Beis Amigdash on a constant basis was a clear reminder to us of that perfect harmony between Torah and nature. The answer is yes, there was a Ganid and Eden. And thus, when the Torah writes in the beginning of Parshas Tzav that Eish Tomid, to Kadalham is Beach Lo that the fires on the altar shall remain aflame and they shall not be extinguished. Nature responds in kind, and therefore a heavy downfall of rain might have put out a fire next door to the Beis Amigdash, around the corner from the Beis Amigdash, but did not extinguish the fires on the Mizbeach of the Beis Amigdash. Let's go further. 
after Cain kills Hevel. Cain is afraid for his life, and he proclaims, as we find in chapter 4 of Bereshis, whoever is going to meet me, for your komotzi yahargeni will kill me. Oh my, I'll ask you, who might you ask is Cain afraid of? After all, the only humans alive are his family. And while his parents might have, quote-unquote, wanted to kill him, right? However, they would not literally do so. Who's going to kill Cain? The Ramban answers that Cain was afraid of the animals. Why? They were so upset at Cain for having disturbed the perfect harmony between Torah and nature. When the Torah prohibits murder, and by man committing murder, Cain polluted the environment. And thus Hashem had to place a sign on his forehead warning the animals not to kill Cain. Because ideally, there is a perfect balance. Now, with this background, I believe we could understand and appreciate the insight of the Be'er Yosef, that's Rabbi Yosef Salant Zatzal, who cites the Medrash in Bamidbar Rabbah, chapter 19, paragraph 6, that Hashem revealed the reason for the enigma of the paraduma, of the red heifer, to Moshe, and only to Moshe. Now the wise King Solomon, in Koheles, chapter 7, verse 23, said, Omartiach koma, I thought I could be wise, but it is beyond me, he rechoka many. The Medrash understands this pasuk as an expression of the frustration of Shlomo HaMelech. And if, as the Medrash continues, and in the future, in messianic times, the reason of this mitzvah will be public knowledge. Then why did Hashem conceal the rationale of the paraduma from us? And what is this enigma? The enigma simply stated is that the ashes of the red heifer mixed with water are sprinkled on an individual man or woman who is impure as a result of contact with a dead body or under the same roof as a deceased. And indeed, the utensils in the home where a dead body is also contract impurity and require the ashes and water of the paraduma sprinkled upon it. Now the sprinkling by a Kohen on the impure individual on day three and day seven was that which affected and brought about and converted their impurity to make them pure. But at the same time, the Kohen, who did the, literally, the sprinkling, he became impure. How are we to understand this mitameh, tohorim, and mitaher, temeim? And the answer is, we can't. So the Bar Yosef suggests that by our participating, by our engaging in a mitzvah that is beyond our comprehension, but clearly divinely legislated, this can help us respond and accept the circumstances and happenings, namely death, that are equally difficult to understand. In last week's parsha of Kisisa, in chapter 33, Moshe asked to 
Let me see Hashem. Now, obviously, we know that Moshe is not asking to see Hashem. This is understood by the Talmud Brachos, that Moshe was requesting to understand Hashem, and specifically why it is that righteous individuals suffer and not yet good individuals prosper. So, listen carefully. We utilized, when we had a Beis HaMikdash, the ashes of the Parah regularly. Every time a person went to a funeral, sat Shmira, participated in Hebra Kadisha, they became Tomei impure. Now the frequent utilization of these ashes helped the medicine go down. Meaning, just as one cannot understand the mitzvah of the Parah Duma, so too Often, one cannot understand the circumstances and the timeliness of the cause for this mitzvah. And just as we accept the chok, the statue of the Pura, knowing its divine origin, so too do we accept circumstances and situations knowing that they too are divinely ordained. And thus, in the imperfect world that we now live in, we need the Efer Para as a kind of catharsis to aid our spiritually challenging wounds. And so, let us understand that the Medrash says, please God, in the future we will understand what the purpose of this mitzvah is all about. It was only given to Moshe, but we will know in the future. But the bottom line is that our reading about it and studying about it has to have a practical effect upon us. Number one, it bolsters our amuna. While we cannot understand all, we submit to his higher authority. And this is most crucial all year long, but especially as we approach the Chag HaPesach. The Paraduma humbles us, which helps us put Him, Hashem, at the center of our universe and not ourselves. And thus I pray that our reading and studying of Pasha's Para, this Shabbos, will not only be a fulfillment of Unishama Param Svaseinu, as if we actually brought it, but it should inspire us to greater bitachon, to know that we don't know, but at the same time to know that He does, and He is directing the show at Bias HaGoel. Shabbat Shalom and Shabbat Chazak to all.